Everybody, welcome back to Kirk Your Enthusiasm. I'm on tonight with a very uh, longtime Twitter friend, uh, Greg Wissinger of uh, Sacktown Royalty. He is the associate editor there. If you follow him on Twitter at G uh, W I S S, which you absolutely should, he really doesn't do as much basketball as much as he does excellent dad jokes that I really I may have to ask you in the end um, um, where all these dang things come from. But how are you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. Uh, I I can't tell you where I get my dad jokes. That, that's part of my secret uh, Twitter brand. So it I got to protect that at all costs. Always good to see a Greg retweet spree <laughs> about dumb stuff that makes me makes me laugh at my desk at work, and people are like, "What are you laughing at?" Like, I can't tell you. It's really stupid. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man. So so we're finally. Like, I decided to start this podcast in, like, the dead of summer, just, you know, kind of as a means to keep myself engaged. But, like, now that we actually have basketball stuff to talk about, I'm, I'm like, finding myself excited for the first time in a while. Um, while, obviously, this is a Mavs podcast, I really wanted to bring you on because the Kings are going to be one of these teams that, that are, pro- I mean, in my opinion, maybe... S- have a chance to be you know in the range of the Mavericks you know that kind of like 500 hopeful team but uh let's let's talk a little bit about the Kings offseason so so what were kind of the the big or I mean even the the little and the big moves of the offseason I mean for the Kings this summer it was really just about adding depth uh they you know they're building around Fox and Bagley and Buddy Heald and Bogdanovich uh so they they swapped out. They got rid of Willie Colley Stein, brought in Dwayne Dedman. They brought in Corey Joseph to back up Fox. Uh, added Trevor Reza to be some depth on the wing and re-signed Harrison Barnes, who I know uh, the Mass fans all love, right? So, uh, yeah, th- that was kind of the big moves. They didn't really have a draft pick uh, thanks to some bad trades of yesteryear. But, uh, yeah, pretty much just shoring up the depth. That was the, the key to the summer. Deadman is a guy. He was at the very first summer league I ever went to. Uh, yeah, I'm right. He he played at USC. He's a really interesting guy. He was one of these guys I remember five six years ago. I couldn't eat. I didn't think he he would ever really be much of anything. And he's become kind of like this this ideal you know stretch five that a lot of teams you know I, I think he's just an excellent signing with the way your guys roster is is constructed somehow he's 30 years old according to ESPN which feels weird to me but he he's going to be that's a really interesting player for for y'all it's how 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 has his training camp been so far any anything interesting well it's been tricky because the kings uh friday morning are playing their first preseason game in mumbai so they oh, haven't right. had a traditional, yeah, they have not had a traditional training camp. So we haven't gotten quite the same level of, you know, this guy's looking great or here's some video clips. Like we haven't gotten much of that. It's It's been like, you know, pictures of the Kings players, like being fitted for like traditional Indian garb and things like that. And, you know, doing like youth camps and stuff, which is cool, but it's a, a very different training camp experience. Um, but yeah, so, it's more we're kind of looking at how he's going to fit on paper because we haven't gotten preseason games yet. Obviously those are getting ready to start, but they have not had a normal training camp, but your point, he, he's one of those guys who came in the league super late. I mean, he started uh, playing in the league. He's only played like six or seven years in the league. He 
started playing basketball super late. Like he was a super late bloomer type, but just has a real good feel for doing all the little things that teams need. And especially a team like the Kings where they need a big man who can stretch the floor to open up space for Fox or Bagley or, you know, whoever else is going to be in the paint. On defense, he's a, a decent rim protector, like shot blocker, all of that. So, you know, he, like I said, he's kind of a, an ideal modern five who isn't necessarily a guy you build your team around, but complements a roster in a lot of nice ways. Well, it's it's uh, you can tell I'm a professional because, like, I I absolutely didn't prepare enough for this podcast, but I'm sorry, Aaron Darren Fox <laughs> has gone around the world like twice already this off season. Like that, he he has been just across the planet then because wasn't he in Australia for a little while before heading back, or did he just do all the training camp with Team USA? No, so he did the training camp. You know, he did the first round in wherever it was Vegas, and then he went to LA. Uh, he did not make the trip to Australia. He pulled out right before. Right before. Uh, so it was like it was like the night before they were going to go. And, and one of the reasons that people kind of figured was probably the case was because the Kings did have this trip coming up as well. So mm-hmm. it would have been crazy travel. I mean, Harrison Barnes was on Team USA. So he has been all over the place. I mean, he went to Australia, went to – they were in China, right? Mm-hmm. I, I did not or pay hardly any attention to FIBA. So I, I couldn't remember if it was it, – that's right, Japan, because the Olympics will be in China. Yes. Or, no. Other way the other, around. It's the other way around. I think it's the other way around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're professionals. They were. We are. Uh, <laughs> and then went back to California to go back across the globe to India. <laughs> I mean, and and Harrison, you know that trade that went that trade went down in a really weird way. Uh, he he knew he was getting traded before suiting up. I think that's a, that's the a thing that yeah. I'm just going to repeat ad nauseum. Harrison is a great guy. And I don't remember yeah. who wrote about it on your site, but someone maybe about a month ago wrote how Harrison is simply going to be better used with the Kings. And mm-hmm. as, as much as it like the initial framing, like, you know, made me angry because I'm just a reflexive angry Mavs fan. But then the article is, <laughs> it, the article is 100 percent right, because the, the Mavericks, what happened in 2016 is they missed out on everybody. The cupboard was completely bare because the after the DeAndre Jordan screw up the year before there, there just wasn't anything. So they figured, let's just give the ball to a guy who hasn't really had a chance and see if he can become something more. And while Harrison really did expand his game in a lot of ways, he just wasn't it, it just. He would have been a phenomenal 1990s superstar. I really, truly believe that. He, he's, a, <laughs> he's a strong guy. He's good in ISO ball. He really upped his free throw rate, that sort of thing. Not a great passer out of ISO. But, you know, with the Kings, if he's going to be able to – if he's expected to kind of catch the ball, shoot the ball, and play hard, then, you know, maybe it's a little bit of an overpay. But, like, that's that's the sort of thing you need on a team. You need guys that are, like – talented but also willing to do the dirty work absolutely i mean realistically you know in a, in a starting lineup he's going to be your fourth option on offense which is and, perfect yeah exactly i mean i mean that's why he was so good with the warriors really was that he wasn't carrying the load he was a complimentary mm-hmm. player and yeah i mean they may have overpaid a little bit but it's a decreasing contract year over year so by the final year it's like super cheap like 18 million compared to it starts a lot higher so you look at the overall number it's like that's an overplay but they they structured it in a way where it won't hurt them uh it could become a very tradable asset if they needed to move it uh but 
you know, overall, like I said, he's a great guy, great guy to have around the locker room, and especially young kids. You know, he's been on championship teams. He's been through playoff runs. You know, he's he's done all of that. So, you know, I, I really like having him around on the team, and you know, it's one of those things you always wish you paid your free agents less to stay. But at the end of the day, it, it's it's going to be fine, I think. Well, and you have to spend your money on somebody. And you actually, mm-hmm. I feel like we talked about this in July over Twitter. You said something about how good it, your front office has been at s- the structuring of a lot of these contracts, where if you just kind of look at the King's books, you might kind of say, I don't really know about this. But it feels like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think you have a number of quality players who are either on these contracts, which are remarkably team friendly in the sense that they're they're kind of partially guaranteed in the final years, which is is the sort of thing that really can give Sacramento a lot of flexibility if they choose to go a different direction in, say, like 2021. Is that right? No, it's exactly right. I mean, so, you know, one of the other big overpays, you know, quote unquote overpays was that the Kings gave a big two-year deal to Trevor Ariza. But when you actually look at the specific deal, like this year he makes a good chunk of money. Mm-hmm. Next year he's guaranteed for a million. So if they decide to move on, off him at the trade deadline, he's essentially in an expiring contract. If they, if he's good and they decide to keep him, fine, but they can be out from under him next summer for a million dollars. And they did the same thing with Deadman's final year. It's final years guaranteed for like a million dollars. So he's got like a three-year deal, but it's essentially a two-year deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, and they're, they've done a really good job with structuring, like I said, with Barnes, his is a decreasing po- uh, contract year over year. You know, so they front-loaded as much as the salary cap allows to where as Bogdanovich, or not Bogdanovich, but as Bagley and Fox and those guys come into their extensions, the other things are coming off the books, or if nothing else, they have the flexibility to get them off the books if they want to lessen the overall cap hit. Sure, sure. Well, that's actually – so So you started talking about a couple of players who I'm, like, really fascinated in. Uh, and I don't uh, – granted, I told you I was only going to try to take, like, 40 minutes of your time. Now that we're talking, I think I might have to ask you lots of questions because, you know, Marvin Bagley is – he was my second favorite player in the draft last year. Or, uh, yeah, I guess it was last year after, after Luka Doncic because he was just so springy. And – I, I watched enough Kings games and follow enough Kings fans on Twitter to where, you know, it, it felt like your coach very just really just didn't play him enough. So, so is one, is that assessment kind of fair? And then two, what are you, what are you hoping for from him in, in year, in year two? Yeah. I mean, I think that I agreed with that sentiment, especially down the stretch as the year went on. Um, and as yeah, I mean, the Kings were kind of caught some people by surprise. It looked like they could make a run at the eighth seed, but it really got away from them pretty quickly after the All-Star break. Uh, you know, the Spurs went on a crazy winning streak, and suddenly, like, the Kings had, like, six games to make up with, like, a month and a half to do it. And at that point, a lot of us really kind of lost patience with, like, why is Marvin Bagley not playing a lot more minutes than Willie Cauley-Stein or Nemanja Bielitsa? Like, mm-hmm those two are fine. They're good players and they had done good things, but Bagley was really putting together a, a really fun second half of the season. Um, but Dave Yeager was 
stubborn. I mean, that's the number one thing you can say about Dave Yeager. Mm -hmm. He favors his vets. That reputation goes back to his days in Memphis that, you know, he's, he's slow to play young guys. Uh, He did it to a certain extent with Aaron Fox too. He was, you know, slow to give him, you know, extended run and and Fox hadn't really earned it in his rookie year. So it it was a little Mm -hmm. bit different scenario, but, uh, I think we're all very excited because the expectation is that Bagley will see a lot more minutes this year. There just aren't in a league full of athletes. There are not athletes like Marvin Bagley. He has the same jump ability as Sean Marion, but he's four inches taller with a bigger wingspan. And like that second jump is horrifying. If you're getting crushed on the boards, like I, I, uh, I'm I'm kind of freaked out about what Dallas is going to do about him whenever they play this year because there's just he's just he he's just all over the place. He's a whirlwind and he's talented. Like it's not just an energy thing; it's a skill level thing. For a guy that didn't really have much of an offhand and it didn't matter, he he's just gonna I, he's probably the guy that I look for to take like the the the, the second year leap that that you know the the fabled thing that teams talk about. Yeah, and that's what a lot of us are kind of hoping for. Because, yeah, I mean, the the pure athleticism and talent is absolutely there. But he was still really raw. I mean, there was still – he doesn't have a ton of post moves or anything like that. Like, he's really creative at getting to the basket or or getting a shot up. And, I mean, his leaping ability with his long arms, he can rise up and hit a short little jumper. And I don't know how teams are going to stop that as he gets more skilled and has more things that he can throw at – you know, opponents, it's really exciting just what he could become. You know, you never know if guys are going to, but um, it's really tantalizing to think about what he could be if he made a leap in year two. So I've been, I've, I have your roster open here. And one of the things I've taken a lot of heat from as I've, I've been on this podcast is I am just not super high on the Mavericks roster. I think that they have a bunch of players who, could be more, you know, than than the sum as they as they come together. There's a lot like there's a very clear hierarchy, which I think could could benefit a team. But overall, you look at kind of the last, you know, after Luca and after Porzingis, and it, things start to get a little dicey, you know, and that that is that can you know it can work both ways. I think a coach like Rick Carlisle might be able to do a lot with it. The Kings are. I don't loaded is not the word that's really fair, but what I do want to say when I look at your roster is there are like 12 guys who are capable of playing 20 minutes or more a game and not just like 20 filler minutes. Like, like Rashawn Holmes is on your team and that guy is, is good. And I don't see where Mm -hmm. he fits in the rotation. So do the Kings like, are, are there any like, like, like concerns about what, you know, how the how the rotation is going to shake out. Do you think they're really going to end up having to make a trade at some point? Because it just doesn't look like there's enough minutes for this many guys who are capable of contributing. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we've talked a lot about this offseason is how they're going to manage the rotation. Uh, a lot of guys are probably going to see fewer minutes than they saw last year. I mean, Corey Joseph came in. I mean, he played a lot of minutes for Indiana last year. Now he's primarily coming into backup Fox. Fox is going to be playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Joseph can play alongside him in like two guard lineups, but then you're then squeezing minutes for either Bogdanovich or Buddy Heald. 
you know, if you slide one of them down to the three, now you're squeezing minutes for Ariza or Barnes. If you slide one of them to the four, now you've got five big men you're squeezing minutes on because uh, they've got, uh, you know, Harry Giles, they've got Rashawn Holmes, they got Bagley, they got Bielitsa still, and they got Deadman. Now, some of that could shake itself out with things like injuries or rest or things like that. Um, you know, Deadman has missed, you know, somewhere between like 10 and 20 games, uh, you know, in, in several seasons. Harry Giles you know, is still an unknown as far as how much of a workload he can handle. You know, the Kings have been very cautious with uh, with him. Uh, they didn't send him on the trip to India just because he had a little discomfort in his knee, and they're like, okay, we're not putting you on a 20-hour flight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they could be cautious there. Ariza, I think, will see a lot fewer minutes, it's just my guess. I mean, he averaged 34 minutes a game last year between the Suns and the Wizards. and He's 34 years old, so yeah. he's probably ready for a little bit smaller role, and the hope is that maybe he can be a little bit better defender and a little bit better shooter than he was last year because his numbers really fell off. Uh, so he he might be done. We don't know. Right. Um, you know, and but then there's guys like Bielita who, yeah, he's come off the bench before, and you know he still I think would have a role on the bench unit to stretch the floor. Uh, Holmes is a guy who's going to be ready anytime his number's called, but yeah, he's a guy that he crushed the Kings last year when he was playing for the Suns. So I'm excited to see what he can do being kind of that high energy guy, kind of a Montrose Harrell light off the bench. Like that's exciting. And they could always swing a trade, but I think it's always one of those things where a roster looks really good on paper and then you see what actually works. Sure. Because, I was looking through our archives because every year at Sacktown Royalty, we do what we call 30Q. Just every day of September, we do a different question about the team just as we kind of prepare for you know preseason and training camp and all that. And last year, we were asking, well, how are the Kings going to manage the big men? Because there's way too many of them to all play. Well, they ended up just not playing Costa Kufas very much. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it worked out all right, you know. So, um you know, these things do kind of work themselves out. You know, they could make a trade, but, you know, a lot of times you look at teams that are trying to make a playoff run and you're talking up how good their depth is when the Kings have depth that's viewed as a problem. So I don't know what to make of that. Well, it's, it's not so much a it, – problem's not really the right word. It's just it's like it's kind of an embarrassment of rotation roster players where, you know, you get a, you get a guy like Luke Walton who kind of famously, like, like – coaches like he's Hubie Brown and plays like 11 dudes a lot of the time. And so if you have 11 good players, maybe this really kind of takes care of itself. Cause you're right. The NBA season is long. Yeah. That, that is, that is my mm-hmm. concern for the Mavericks that if they take one hit to, to like somebody like Dwight freaking Powell, they could be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> just as things go on. Well, before we go to commercial break, let's, let's get your, your take on where you feel the kid, you know, let's, let's say things go right. The, the way that you want them to go, like in, in your mind's eye, where do you think they end up in the Western Conference, uh, uh, you know, barring, you know, no catastrophic injuries, things like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad to say, but I would just be really thrilled if the Kings could make it to the eighth seed. I mean, the, the blueprint everyone's kind of looked at is the way that the Nuggets went from just being outside the playoffs, like missing it literally by that one game against Minnesota. And then the next year, they're the two seed. And that's probably an unrealistic leap for the Kings to make. 
But if Bagley takes a leap, if Fox took another leap in year three, you know, if all the pieces gel together, that's kind of that dream scenario. But with the West as loaded as it is, I'd really be thrilled if we just ended up as an eight or a seven seed and just finally broke our playoff drought. <laughs> sure, sure. Well, uh, okay, we're going to be right back after this uh, commercial great, uh, break. This has been uh, Kirk and Greg on whatever the name of my podcast is, Kirk Your Enthusiasm. We'll be right back. All right, guys, we're back to Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Thanks for bearing with us during the commercial. Um I'm talking with Greg here from Sacktown Royalty. And, you know, I, every one of my podcasts has been different, primarily because I don't know what I'm doing. And I just kind of want to talk to my friends. And the other night, I had had a little bit too much wine. And I thought, you know, I want to do a podcast this week where we, I preview the Western Conference with someone. But basically, I just want an excuse to talk crap about the other 13 rosters past the Mavericks and the uh, and, and the Kings. So I have uh, I have this, and Greg really seemed to be the perfect person, and and he he agreed. So here we are. Um, I have the the Western Conference pulled up, and I'm just kind of going to go in in the order that ESPN has them right now. For some reason, the Houston Rockets are ranked number one in the West. I think that's just because they played one preseason game. They have a point mm-hmm. differential of plus sixty nine at the moment. Um, cool, beating a Chinese team. Well, let's just start with the Rockets. So 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 give me your you know, your elevator pitch on, on uh, what you think about them right now. So it's fascinating because I think that they're on kind of a little bit of a death spiral, but I don't know how long Harden is going to be able to like keep it in the air because he's so good. Mm -hmm. Like he's so frustrating, but he's just incredibly good. But like you look at the roster around him and it's like, Oh my, like, I think Russ and him will be interesting. I think they'll probably fit better than we want to admit. But beyond the two of them and, like, Aaron Gordon and Clint Capella, the rest of that roster is rough. Like, Anthony Bennett went out for a knee surgery, and you're like, oh, that kind of hurts their depth. Mm-hmm. Like, like their depth beyond, like, their top three or four guys is really thin. Like, they brought back Ryan Anderson. Uh, they've got Ben McLemore. This is incredible. This is an incredible <laughs> roster. I, I don't really know what to make of it. Like, I like their starters. I love P.J. Tucker so much. Yeah, P.J.'s the other guy. P.J.'s good. But then um, they have, like, their backup centers are Nene and Tyson Chandler, who are a combined 72 years old. That's not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I think they're going to be kind of a devastating regular season team. In, in the sense oh, of the sure. same way the Miami Heat really were, because I don't see how you guard them on a night-to-night basis. I do wonder, right. you know, you get in the playoffs with the right team and the and a smart coach. Can you just game plan them out? And that's always, frankly, that's just, that's what's happened to them. I mean, they've had some bad luck, but it's also, you know, bad luck. And then they rely just a little too much on James. So, I mean, I, I think they... I really do think they, they're probably going to be the number one team in the West, but I'm not sure how much that really matters. Does does that does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that, you know, I'm talking about how they're kind of in their downward spiral and they're probably still going to be a one or two seed. <laughs> like, like Harden's just that good and, and Russ is still good enough that, it, like you said, they'll be a great regular season team, you know, but 
do you have any faith on them getting out of the Western Conference Finals? Like, <laughs> I, I mean, just get it really like the West is just going to be brutal in the sense that if they have the wrong playoff matchup and if if yeah. Russ's knees or something, I mean, he's he's been so good or at least so so like able to play through the season the last the last few years that that's probably me overthinking it. But I, I just I don't know. I, I they're going to be top two or three. But I mean, are you really going to feel comfortable with them? And I think the answer there has to be no. Yeah. All right. Well, so we this, next? the second team we got is is the the L.A. Clippers, kind of the toast of the NBA at the moment. But they, I just don't know how I feel about them. You know, the, this if Kawhi Leonard sits a bunch of games again, they're going to be in trouble. If he doesn't sit a bunch of games, then this whole load management crap was him orchestrating his way out of two situations he didn't want to be in while also winning an NBA championship. I I, I just don't know. I. I'm I'm a little I just have such mixed feelings about him despite being so so talented. Paul George is is the bionic man at, at this point. You know he's he's 29 years old and has some really brutal injuries. Um, they they brought back a lot of their guys that made their team fun last year. So how they mesh all that together is probably going to be worth seeing. I mean they're probably the best team in the conference. The team that I would pick to make the finals at least. Uh, but that that's just kind of where I stand on them right now. I feel like they're kind of like the the anti-Rockets. Like, they're not going to be the best regular season team, but they're the team that I absolutely would not want to have to face in the playoffs. Cause, yeah, because they're, they're like, just going to eat teams up, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, like I said, Kawhi's going to rest throughout the year. Paul George is not going to be healthy to start the season. But they still have, you know, Patrick Beverly. They've got, you know, Montrezl Harrell. They've got... I'm just looking through the roster here. You know, Lander Shamit, Lou Williams, Zubaz, like, you know, they've got good players and they'll be a fine regular season team, but like those are a whole bunch of guys that you put George and Kawhi rested going into a playoff series with all those guys around them, like that's gonna be a, a devastating team in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, they're 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 probably the only team out of the entire Western Conference that I can't actually talk crap about because they're just going to be pretty good. <laughs> There's really no really yeah. no other way around that. Uh, it's, you just look at them and they're they're going to be something. So so the next team that we have is is the Lakers, but I want to skip them and come back. So so it's actually the the Minnesota Timberwolves who I feel might they're 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 among like the forgotten four or five teams in the Western Conference, which you know the Suns and the Mavs are kind of looped in on. So so give me your take on them. I, I'm really interested to see what Ryan Saunders gets out of them. Cause I I kind of believe that he's gonna get them to buy in in a way that like some of those guys haven't in a while, like especially Cat. I mean, Carl Anthony Towns is like should be in that conversation for like one of the greatest young superstars in the game, but he's never really. I, I don't want to say he's been disinterested because he hasn't been. Like he plays great, but he's just kind of up there, and Minnesota never does anything. It's probably how people felt about Demarcus Cousins for years when he was in Sacramento, where it's like, yeah, he's got numbers and stuff, but what's he actually doing? I have no idea. I don't watch many of their games. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, they've got interesting guys up and down the roster, but I don't know that they'll be good. <laughs> you know, like a team with Cat at 23 should be really good, and we should be talking about them as a team that's like definitely a threat to chase the eight seed, but 
unless like pieces really come together, I just don't see how that happens. Yeah, they're they're very much like a a basketball super fan insider team because they're just they're they're there's a, a number of guys past Cat who are like super intriguing. Josh Akogi, Jared Culver, uh, Bob Covington, who might be a like top sixty player in the NBA. He's just so good in every situation. Mm-hmm. But I just don't know what that. When I look at the roster and I look at them, I'm like, well, what comes to mind when you think of the Kings? And and you know, I can't think of, and this may be more on me, but I can't think of of like a de- defining Carl Anthony Towns game. Um, because they just haven't played that much meaningful basketball in, in a long time. Mm-hmm. So I, I they they could come together really well because I think they're fairly they're actually kind of fairly deep when I go through this roster. There's a lot of guys that I like. And I, I they but at the same time it just it feels like their most likely outcome is gonna be like 12, 13 kind of range in the in the West while they play a bunch of close games and then we start to hear like grumbles of of you know people being frustrated but it's just they, they've never really been able to make it come together in a way that matters they'd be a really fun seven seed if they played in the east sure sure i mean that's like, really what's disappointing <laughs> about like you go through the west we'll just we'll we'll keep going with teams and that's really what's incredible is there's so many more interesting players in the west than in the east and and you know, Andrew Sharp and Ben Golliver kind of debate on this all the time. Sharp's finally given up on on their podcast because the the East is just it's just bad. I I, I don't. It's it's maddening for for us for our teams because they're you know the fact that there's probably going to be like a 45 win uh, barrier to get into the playoffs in the West and it's going to be like 36 wins in the East just drives me bananas. Um, okay, just to keep it going so I don't kill your evening. Uh, the up next we have the Phoenix Suns. Ooh, they're an interesting one. I I think they'll be better than they were last year. I think they'll be at least more respectable. Like, Re- I really? Still don't know. Why? Yeah. Okay, so a couple reasons. First, DeAndre Ayton is really good. Like, he's still really raw, but he's really good, and he's going to be better in year two than year one. Just Presumably. They actually have a point guard now. They got Ricky Rubio, who you know has plenty of flaws, but he's an actual point guard to help give people the basketball, which mm-hmm. they haven't had in Phoenix in like three years. So, you know, they've got Rubio. They've got Booker. They've got Aiton. They've got Saric. They got McCall Bridges, who I like. Yeah, they Bridges is Gaines, good. Who I think is good depth. Like, you know, I mean, they've got just lots of, like, interesting, like, good people on the team. And they've gotten rid of some of the, like, garbage guys, like, you know, like Josh Jackson and stuff like that. So, I think they'll be better. I still don't think they're ready to make a big leap this year. But I think they'll be more respectable than they were last year. Counterpoint. DeAndre Jordan said at his own charity event that he expects to play power forward this year, which means he expects to share the floor with Aaron Baines, which means he has no idea what he's good at, which means he might be in another year of struggling because he doesn't want to have to do all the dirty work. I do not understand these players who don't, who always want to play a position down. It's so bizarre to me. That's why I was out on Aiton so early. Um, just because he he doesn't seem to 
he doesn't seem to want to to actually play basketball the way his his own frame and talent is intended to be played. It's very, that's kind of why I he him alone is the main reason I'm out because a lot of the other yeah a lot of the other players the stuff you've mentioned things could come together well. But if one of the cornerstones of the franchise doesn't understand that he is a center at seven foot one and two hundred and fifty pounds, Lord help him. Well, the thing is though, I mean, when you look through the roster. Him and Baines playing together in a fair number of minutes makes sense because the only other really competent big man on the roster is Sarge. Yeah. So there's gonna be times when it's Sarge and and Aiden, but then there's also gonna be times when one of those two is off, so it's gonna be Baines and Sarge or Baines and Aiden. Like so yeah, it's probably not ideal and you know, at some point you gotta hope that he toughens up and is okay with just you know, getting beat up down low because that's what happens when you're a big guy in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think no one wants to do it. It probably sucks to play center in the NBA and get the crap beat out of you every night. But from a roster perspective, it's not like the craziest thing in the world. I'll just be very, I'll be very interested to see if they actually try it because he has the frame and should be able to be taught how to play defense effectively. His raw numbers and how he played this year. I mean, in any other year, he would have been a top two candidate for rookie of the year because he had a really good offensive mm-hmm. year. He played a lot of minutes. I'm just, I'm very, he, he's just very frustrating to me. I've been out on him since I, I saw some of his high school tapes and just watched how some of his, his draft classmates like owned him, even in conversations. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just kind of bothered. So the next team up, I think, is, is really one of the most interesting teams in the West who I think have the most variability. It's going to be the Portland Trailblazers. So the Blazers are interesting, right? Because on the one hand, I never, I mean, I've learned this the hard way, but I never want to bet against Damian Lillard. At this Absolutely point. not. Right. Like he is so incredibly good. And CJ McCollum for all the fit questions of the two of them together, CJ McCollum is really great as well. But then I also have this like deep seated, belief that you should always doubt Hassan Whiteside. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And some of that comes back to the fact that, you know, he was with the Kings, the Kings drafted him, you know, before he like completely washed out of the NBA before latching back on and making it Miami. But like, yeah. Do we know when Nurkic is coming back? So that, yeah, I mean, that's gotta be the the defining issue for their season because if Nurkic comes back even at like 75% of what he was last year, then that will be a better team than with Hassan Whiteside. But I think, you know, the Nuggets people that we know, I, I've, I don't want to say anybody's name, but enough people question Nurkic's work ethic to where a, yeah. a devastating injury like that, they're just kind of concerned. Because, I mean, he is an enormous person. It says here on, yeah. on, on the site that he's seven foot 290. Like, that's a big man to come back from an injury like that in a reasonable amount of time so I, I that's kind of the defining defining point for me i mean they do have a lot of other interesting guys like i i, I really want for some reason i really want mario hazonia on the mavericks at one point just because i want all my all all the Mavs fans to understand what it could have been like if luca went went bad um and was not good <laughs> at basketball 
you know, it's it, the, but yeah, this, this roster is really interesting. The the apparently their their team is really high on Anthony Simons, who's this you know like like twenty year old shooting guard. They're super into him, but I I just don't see where where you like get minutes for a guy like that. I mean, they got Kent Bazemore, like they just have a lot of interesting dudes. But I don't know how they all come together outside of the fact that Damian Lillard is like an otherworldly talent. That that seems to be the best case for them. Everything working against them is like, oh, you reinvested in Rodney Hood. So you expect more out of Rodney Hood after his career. That's interesting. I this just this could go very badly for them in a hurry if if uh if if things don't go well. But at the same time, like, they have a lot more depth than they've had in years past when we didn't think they would do much, and then they did stuff. Sure. You because, know, like I said, the, you know, they do have Baysmore. They do have Simons, who, uh, when when the Blazers were playing six guys in the final game of the season against the Kings, and the Kings sat their starters for the second half, like, Simons went off. Like, he was one of the guys who kind of led the comeback, so we got kind of a glimpse of, you know, if he could do that on a, even a somewhat consistent basis, it was a weird game. I mean, the team was all checked out and stuff, but it's like if Simons is as good as they think he is, you know, that gives them some depth. They got Zach Collins, you know, Rodney Hood's not the greatest player in the world, but like he's competent sometimes. Yeah, he's an NBA so, wing. Yeah. So I don't know. It, and they have Anthony Tolliver. Anthony Tolliver is a pro's pro. No, I, 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 they're probably the most interesting team out of the entire West with what could happen to them. Followed only really by our next team, which is is my the, the dang dreaded San Antonio Spurs, who who I'll, I'll let you pull up their roster here, but I'm just gonna. I, I don't know who like half these guys are, and Pop still is gonna squeeze like 46 wins out of them, and it just drives me crazy. Because they're they're they they just don't look like they should be very good and and like Demar Derozan is a basketball player from another era, and they'll manage mm-hmm. to just win basketball games with him. I mean, they have they have guards like Bryn Forbes who just doesn't seem to miss every time I watch him play. Uh, you know, somehow or another, Rudy Gay has become. You know, Rudy Gay is really the guy that Harrison Barnes should look at and be like, "Oh, this is what I need to do. I need to be, I need to be this quiet in the background guy who helps my team win games." They're just—it frustrates me because they're going to be good, and I don't understand how because I think this roster sucks. But it, 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 what do you think? Am I just am I nuts? No, I mean, it's one of those things where they have a good system. Marcus Aldridge is still really good. You know, Demar Derozan, yeah, he doesn't look at the three-point line ever, but he's still pretty good. Um, Damari Carroll was such a good Spurs signing. Like, I hated it. Oh, yeah, he's the ultimate Spurs. He'll be great for them. Uh, Rudy Gay, I still have a soft spot for because I really liked the way he played in Sacramento. They're getting DeJounte Murray back. You know, Lonnie Walker's coming back. We'll see if he can do anything. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's annoying as – a fan of a team who's always trying to get into that eight speed, you're you're like, can the Spurs finally just like stop being good for one year, please? Like, just fall off, just one year. That's all I need. Yeah, Lonnie, I and I, you're right because Lonnie Walker and like Derek White and Bryn Fort, like God, they just they have functional good players. I mean, they might be in kind of a similar situation that I feel, you know, that I mentioned that I think the Kings might be in, where they have you know twelve you know players who should be getting minutes. 
and really only two or three of them are able to like make the case for for you know the starting level minutes i think that'll be interesting but you know popovich is just that kind of coach who's going to get he's going to get what he's you know all these wins and it's going to drive you and i crazy oh man see i keep saying these teams are really interesting and then i go to the next one and and i have the oklahoma city thunder here who i mean they have no incentive to win but their team is filled with with some really interesting dudes who are not really capable. I don't really know if the they're not going to be capable of tanking. They're they're going to be you know competitive, but they might be like like basketball out of the nineteen you know nineties with the with the way this roster is built. This is weird. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things where they're going to be good until they start unloading everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, and not good. Good's probably the wrong word, but kind of what we talked about. Like they've got a ton of legitimate basketball players chris paul as much as i like making fun of him he's still really good right (laughs) yeah he's he's not what he once was but he's still really good you know steven adams is criminally underrated he's still a great center um you know they've got danilo gallinari which for however long he stays healthy he's good you know they got shy they got uh who else they got nerland they got andre roberson i mean so it's such a weird roster. Yeah. It feels like it's going to get blown up sooner rather than later. Yeah, I'm I'm going to keep a close close eye on on Danilo Gallinari. He is just I don't know how it would work. It probably wouldn't. And it's you know having three enormous white dudes in a lineup is is terrible. But he's such a good shooter that I just I've been kind of lusting after him for for the Mavericks because he just strikes me as like that ideal older veteran that could that could be on their team they have no way of getting him so i just i need to i need to keep that desire to myself and the thousand people who listen to this podcast cannot uh retweet me and and telling me oh man i forgot that they re-signed nerland's noel what a weird <laughs> just just what a weird guy yeah and then they have then the dennis schroeder and chris paul that's gonna be a backcourt of charming likable guys that don't kill each other in the <laughs> locker room Good Lord. Well, next we have the team that we must respect online, because if you don't, you will hear about it. The Utah Jazz, who, as much as it pains me, are probably going to be really, really good. I, I there's Outside of the fact that, that they seem to have Emmanuel Moutier on the roster this year, and he's giving <laughs> he's giving all these quotes about how Quinn Buckner or how Quinn is, is teaching him stuff. And, and it's like, well, yeah, maybe you should have listened to your coaches the last ten years, uh, and then you might be in a better position. They're they're just they're 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 wildly deep at positions that are helpful. I think the the Bogdanovich signing is is I was so pissed the Mavericks weren't involved in that one because he is you don't give you just can't give a guy. Like you can't give give you know Donovan Mitchell is going to have Joe Inglis and, and Bogdanovich to pass to for threes. Not to mention Mike Conley. The one thing they weren't seem to be really great at last year. They're gonna they're gonna just smoke teams on offense. This is maddening. How did they? How did the Jazz put together a really good team? I don't I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah, like yesterday, I remembered that Conley was on the Jazz. I'd kind of forgotten for like a week or two, and it was just like, oh, dang it. <laughs> like, they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not going to have to do yeah, much. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and they got Ed Davis, who always signs for like a million dollars a year. Like, he has the worst agent in the league. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, the only question for them is is who they would get matched up with in the playoffs because they've really – they've run in the bad matchups yeah. the last two years. As much as we were making fun of the Rockets earlier, the Rockets are just the kind of team that can exploit – you know, it, it, it offense is simply more potent than defense with the way the NBA rules are now. So even if you have a defensive player of the year, it might not matter if, you're, if your offense on the other side is so overwhelming – but hopefully this is, you know, for their for their fans' sakes, maybe this is the year that they they actually break break through and do something. We, we you know, they're they're just they're probably going to be in that top, you know, three, four, five range for most of the year. Um, all right, our next team is the team that I am most upset about. So so to call back to uh, lottery night, the Memphis uh, Grizzlies, Dallas Mavericks, and New Orleans Pelicans all had the same odds. They had, they had that tie-breaking odd thing. Uh, and both the Pelicans and the Grizzlies jumped up and the Mavericks fell in the lottery. <laughs> and I have been, I've been angry about it ever since because the Pelicans roster, I don't know if they're going to be very good at first. The Mavericks play the Pelicans three times in the first 20 games, which I'm kind of excited about, but just to get them out of the way. But the, the Pelicans, <sighs> bloody hell, if they're not, if they don't have a lot of good basketball players, it, it, I, I, this is, this is upsetting. What, where, what's your take on them? Yeah. I mean, I think if, if you got to play them a bunch, it's better to do it early. Cause yeah. you know, before they really had a chance to gel. Um, but yeah, I mean like the Derek favor signing was great. Uh, getting um, JJ Redick. Great. Obviously Zion is, you know, He's that awesome. Uh, you know, the fact that, like, we're not even talking about Brandon Ingram. <laughs> like, right. We're not really talking about Lonzo Ball, like, who, you know, as much as I like to make fun of Lonzo Ball, it's like my favorite pastime on Twitter. Like, he, he's a good basketball player. <laughs> like, yeah, and he's bottomed like, out so it, much that the expectations are just not there. Anything he does exactly. now is good, is good. Yeah. And, you know, his, the videos, you know, we'll see how it translates in games, but a shot is not as ugly as it was when we came to the league. And, you know, so he's a good defender, you know, decent point guard. Like, so they've got like a really interesting roster. I don't know how much they put it all together this year, um, but they're scared. Like, yeah, I, I don't, I, they don't I have enough don't shooting. Know what to make of them. They don't have enough shooting, but if they do what, if they get, you know, if if they realize that that Zion can handle the ball and they, you know, he's Zion's always going to be viewed as a big, but if they can get him in situations where he's, you know, isolated at all, he's going to score most times. I, I there are a lot of NBA fans who didn't watch ball out there who don't understand why draft Knicks are so high on Zion. There's simply nobody in the league that is this big. His official NBA measurement is six seven and two hundred eighty five pounds. Even if he cuts 10 pounds off that, he's still one of the probably 10 heaviest players in the league. And like you said, he's Thanos. Like this is he's gonna score at the rim a lot. And and it's yeah. gonna be it's it's gonna be really I just I don't know who who guards him. I don't know how you do guard him. So maybe to a certain extent, like like the fact that they don't have great spacing now may not matter too much. But I, I think they're going to manage to pull something together. I don't think they're going to be a particularly like winning team this year. 
somehow JJ Redick has made the playoffs every year he's been in the league, and he he's he told Zion that it's on him. So I I don't think that that ends up that with that they're a playoff team just because it's it's really hard to make this many young pieces fit as as, as you well know as a Kings fan. So that that's kind of where I, I I am with them. It's I wouldn't be shocked if if they you know end up you know kind of moving some of these players that they have that are because this they they have kind of an interesting problem where I think they have too many rotation players as well. And I I don't know how you do how you do this. You got a guy like like Jackson Hayes who you know. He's awesome, and he's going to need minutes at some point, and I, I, they just don't have any for him. Yeah, and I should also mention Drew Holiday is fantastic. Like, oh, yeah, best player. It just on their can't team. be said enough. Yeah, that's that's great. Well, then, then the the second bane of my existence is this is this blasted Memphis Grizzlies roster. Who you know because they jumped up to two. You know they 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 selected Ja Morant, who I'm I don't know how I feel about him, but but they have. You know, they, Jaron Jackson Jr. is – I think he he has the skills to be the best player from that class. Um, he's so talented with, with the basketball. He's really good on defense. Like, they're, they're going to be frustrating for me. And then they pair him with Brandon Clark, who is somehow only like 11 months younger than, than Chris Dapps Porzingis, which is kind of a wild stat. <laughs> but he, he's – he, even if he peaks with where he is right now, he's he's like good at basketball. So uh, they're going to be yeah. weird to pay attention to because like Andre Iguodala is still on the team. I think they're going to play a lot of competitive basketball. Tyus Jones was a really good signing by him. They have like the draft Knicks favorite dude, uh, John Conchar, uh, uh, who is this like six five shooting guard that that everybody loved. I I, I think they're going to suck, but I think they're probably going to be a lot of fun. They also oh gosh, they also have. Uh, um, Yuta, I think his name's Yuta Wantabe, who, who's who's a Japanese player who's just really fun to watch. I watched him at summer league. Yeah, I don't really have a lot to say about the Memphis Grizzlies. I, I don't think they're going to be good, um, but I think I'll watch a fair number of their games and until they prove that they're not good and worth watching. Yeah, I mean that they they have Grayson Allen, which absolutely pushes them down the watchability rankings because you don't want to watch somebody die on the floor. Um, Well, who else do we have here? Because I just very stupidly closed my uh, roster list because I don't know how to use the internet. Um, Right after that, we had, oh, so we have the Nuggets and then we have the Warriors and then we have the Lakers. So, so let's, let's do the Nuggets next who, you know they they had a really good season last year, but I think there's a little bit of an argument to be made that they're due to backslide a little bit. What do you think? I think they might backslide a little in the regular season, just because um, Matt Moore was talking about this on Locked On Nuggets the other day that the regular season for them is no longer something that has to be overcome to like make the playoffs. It's now something that you manage so sure. that you're in good shape when the playoffs start. Um, which is, you know, that shift between a scrappy upstart team to a legit powerhouse in the league, which the Nuggets really are going to be, I think. Um, I think the big question mark for them is Jamal Murray. You know, they gave him that big extension. He's still just 22. When he's on, he's unreal. But he is streaky, and there's times when he looks really off. Uh, But their depth, I mean, you want to talk about depth. This team is crazy deep. I mean, Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Tory Craig, 
Uh, Jeremy Grant was a great signing. Gary Harris, Juan Hernan Gomez, Jokic, Millsap, Monty Morris, Murray. They got a Plumlee just for fun. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., if he ever plays basketball. They've got a Zeller on the roster for fun. I mean, they've got depth up the wazoo. It's I need I need Michael Porter Jr. to play NBA basketball because he is like a 1980s wrestling heel. He is <laughs> I, seeing him in seeing him in person this summer was wild because he, he he's like an Adontis. Like he's really handsome and he's you know if if you've read anything about his family, he's kind of a Let's just let's just call him a character, and and he's the kind of guy who the more we hear from him, the more he's just going to make headlines because he he's not necessarily offensive, but he he's he is a bit of an asshole, and and he's he's also unbelievable at basketball. So like for me, he's yeah. kind of their X factor in a way in a way that uh, that that Murray isn't because I think I think the Murray signing was a mistake, but I I. He is 22. I could be wrong. I, but but for Porter, Porter is just if if he even if he's able to play like like 15 to 18 minutes a game and just stand in the corner and shoot threes, I think the Nuggets have the potential to really like just run ragged, run wild and win a lot of games because they just they have a lot of guys who can put the ball in the basket and they seem to be you know any any team that has like a point center and Jokic just it, that they're going to be fascinating to watch all year. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the last two teams we have are the Golden State Warriors and then the Lakers. So, so I, let, let's let's pivot to the Lakers. I, or I'm sorry, pivot to the Warriors. I am. I'm really excited to see what they do. I really like watching Steph Curry like put up video game numbers, and and you know, past that, it, it, they they just don't have a ton going for them. I'm going to be fascinated to see if if Draymond Green actually is like plays in in game shape. Um, they, they do have a, a 19 year old guy, his name's Alan uh, Somalajic, uh, who was like mm-hmm. a guy that they had on their G league team and like basically circumvented rules to keep him around there. That's going to be kind yeah. of fascinating, but like you look at their roster and this sucks. Yeah. Like look at the roster and it's like, okay, so opening day, they're going to have Steph. They've got D'Angelo. They'll have Kevin Looney playing center and Draymond. <laughs> like, their starting small forward, like, from the start, is going to have to be, like, Glenn Robinson. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to be wild. There's no one else that could see that. And, like, when any of those guys go off, like, they have no depth at all. None. <laughs> None. Like, I mean, Marquise Chris like, is a Willie camp Collins invite. already hurt. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> And and I know how you yeah. feel about him. Stein, Willie Collie Stein is not going to give them much. They have Amari Spellman, who was a hawk, and it can't be stated enough that he was one of the fattest players in summer league. He was playing at three <laughs> three hundred and five pounds. He he reported earlier. The the roster has him listed at two forty five. I thought I saw something on Deadspin about how he's actually two seventy five right now. Like that com- that kind of commitment to being a fat professional basketball player is something I just I can absolutely get behind. It. It's one of my favorite things. So so I I you know watching Draymond Green yell at him is going to be great. There's I don't know they're they're going to be 
they they might be like a sneaky really fun team on on national television because they play a ton of national tv games because you're going to be watching like announcers try to figure out who half the team is and explain it to a to a national crowd that doesn't know who Jacob Evans is. So that you know that that's really exciting. I'm excited for bench units where Jordan Poole has to carry a team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just to see what he does cuz that could mm-hmm. be fun. This is this is <laughs> top notch. Well, I saved them to the very end just because they're they're the team you and I hate for various reasons. They're a team who, you know, for some reason tonight on Twitter, ESPN put out a roster of their practice scrimmage starting five with these faces, and it was reported by Dave McMenamin. And it's like, wait, we're reporting practices? Now what in the world is going on? The Los Angeles Lakers. I'll let you take the floor first. They're relying or or hoping that Dwight Howard is good. That's a mission statement. <laughs> I mean that that to me. I mean that that's everything. I mean, look. I mean, their their starting five is going to be really good, right? I mean, they've got LeBron, they've got uh, Anthony Davis. Like, even if you didn't have anyone else to roll out with them, like that right there is a, a good starting five. Just having those two. Uh, I really like Danny Green. I was really annoyed that they got him. God, uh, you and me Jared both. He, a, he killed me. Yeah. Yeah. Jared Dudley's a good vet. Uh, yeah, I thought the Quinn Cook signing made sense. Um, Avery Bradley is apparently you know Jordan reincarnate in training camp, which is uh, great. Uh, <laughs> great. It's going to be great for uh, us that he is not good yeah. at basketball anymore. I, I just, you know, <laughs> this is outstanding. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, you know, Rondo is, is always a, a joy when he's not on your team screwing things mm-hmm. up. Uh, you and I have both endured the 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 Rajon Rondo experience and mm-hmm. are happily past those days. Um, yeah, Lakers fans think Kyle Kuzma is a good shooter. It, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Yeah, he's got that stress fracture in his foot, and I've been reading a bunch on the various Lakers sites about it insofar as like outside experts who some you know who are lakers fans will like write things i don't understand what is happening there because stress fractures are wildly unpredictable you know seth curry had one he was out for a year uh tim hardaway jr had one and he missed the last 15 games of the mavericks he had to have surgery i just don't understand i mean i also think if you lose kyle kuzma what are you really losing uh, you know, I know they need some warm bodies at this point when you get to like the back half of their roster, but I just don't understand it. I mean, my my favorite offseason thing is just the pushing of Alex Caruso. And, and like, like ESPN's <laughs> That's Dave, been fun. It's been amazing. ESPN's Dave McMenamin kind of lost his mind on a podcast uh, with ESPN, but talking about this and like, I just don't understand how, how, how certain media people can get suckered in by one of LeBron's teammates every year about how player x is so good and it's like no he's not he's playing with lebron james that's different you know i don't even know if we mentioned javel <laughs> mcgee javel mcgee who is somehow like the veteran center who's going to you know, tutor <laughs> tutor dwight powell i this is this is preposterous i can't wait to watch it you know i i love all of our laker uh, uh riding friends i also love watching them get upset because they're just so blessed oh, yeah. in, in everything, and then they don't know how to handle losing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, some of the Lakers folks that we're friends with on Twitter are, are awesome folks. And, you know, it, aside from their basketball team, I, I wish them nothing but the best. <laughs> it's really the best. And, and I think we're going we're gonna to have to watch it early because the, the under-discussed thing to me, to me, is that, you know, Anthony Davis, while he played a full, a, a, as close to a full season as a guy who took a hell of a lot of games off can last year, the one thing that I would always notice from my from the Pelicans writers that I follow is Anthony Davis is the kind of guy who leaves games frequently to deal with nickel and dime injuries that don't hold him out of games. And you know, when you have a roster that's this much of a of a mess, frankly, that screws up rotations. That screws up who's supposed to play when and where. And while the Lakers do have a soft schedule, and that's primarily for the national TV backloaded games, I if they get off to a bumpy start at all, we're going to see a Jason Kidd super mutiny on poor Frank Vogel. Oh, and and like this is great. there's just so much theater. I normally hate talking about the Lakers because I'm just like we talk about them all the time, but now we're talking about them all the time because they're a mess and it's at least out there. You know, they're still going to be really good. They're probably, you know, a, a four, five, six, you know, with capabilities of being, you know, higher. They're definitely going to make the playoffs unless something bad happens to them. They're just too talented. But this is it's going to be a it's going to be a show the whole time. And I can't wait for it. Yep. Well, I've talked to you way too much again. I can't uh, I, I can't thank you enough for taking over an hour of your evening to babble about basketball with me. I'm really looking forward to it, which is why, you know, we end up talking so long. So, uh, Greg, thank you so much for, for joining me, and hopefully I can have you on, uh, you know, probably closer to one of the Kings games. We can, you know, talk a little more actual basketball strategy and what we're seeing out there. Sounds good. All right, man, you have a good night. This has been Kirk, right, Your you Enthusiasm, and, you know, go to uh, you, iTunes and look up Mavs Moneyball Podcast and give me five stars. So, everybody, have a good day. <laughs>